Thanks for joining us for Mississippi Prospects, a podcast focused on economic and community development in our state. Hosted by Jeff Rent and brought to you by the Mississippi Economic Development Council. With unemployment rates at or near record lows in the state of Mississippi, the competition for available labor is unprecedented. Companies don't just need talent today, they need a sustainable workforce for future operations. Factor in Mississippi is the only southeastern state with a net out migration since 2010, and we've got some challenges. Joining us today is Tim Mask, president of MWB Creative, a creative branding and content development and marketing firm headquartered in Jackson, Mississippi. He's also the director of the Fast Forward Mississippi Initiative, a co-founder of Kids Code Mississippi, and an organizer of TEDx Jackson. He is a lifelong resident of the state, being born in Tupelo and attending Itawamba Community College and graduating from Mississippi College. Tim also currently holds the record for running the most unfunded mandates in the Mississippi history. Please welcome Tim Mask to Mississippi Prospects. We are seeking funding for a number of those mandates. <laughs> if anybody listening to this would like to uh, like to contribute. Yeah, they're just in that uh, list alone, a number of unfunded mandates there. Let's talk about we're, what we're really talking about is what uh, many people call brain drain. And let's define that for anybody who might be listening. From a 30,000-foot level, brain drain is literally an out-migration of individuals that you would determine to be your quote-unquote best and brightest. And it, it's typically identified by both career paths and educational attainment. And and neither one of those factors are the end-all, be-all and how economically successful someone will be throughout their life, but they're some of the best metrics that we have. Typically, the higher degree-earning individual, the higher wage earner they will be at that that corresponds again not that's not always a case and there are certainly certainly exceptions but just generally speaking from an economic standpoint that's kind of how you look at it so a brain drain is losing those types of individuals from your population base this is a problem in a lot of the developing world uh, and even in some what we'd call first world nations the United States as a whole is actually a net importer of talent because of our because of the the, the immigration that we have and and some of our regulations on on that about individuals that can be let in. The state of Mississippi, however, has had a net out migration uh, population uh, since 2010, and, and we're the only I believe we're the only southeastern state, the only Sun Belt state that's actually witnessed an out migration of population. Uh, over that roughly 10-year period. And you look at economic development and the number of wins that states uh, like uh, Georgia, Texas, Alabama, Florida, you know, have all seen, and Mississippi is in that list too, uh, we've seen a number of economic development wins since 2010, but the numbers are actually pretty staggering, especially between Texas and Georgia, uh, often the top two states uh, ranked by many site selection consultants. And they've got to have the talent to be able to lure those companies uh, to their state. So, what what we've seen is a change, really, in I think the economic development model. And Jeff, you can speak to this more so than I can. But we've gone from that post World War II industrial, really manufacturing base, where 
governments and localities would offer incentives in the form of, of, of tax credits, in the form of infrastructure, and that's what would lure in these large manufacturing uh, operations. And that's, that's still the case, and we still need to be looking at that as part of the strategy. But what's happened is even as we have this trend toward reshoring and more manufacturing capacity in the United States and, and our manufacturing output has actually risen dramatically, at the same time, if you look at manufacturing employment, it's fallen during that same period. So you're, you've got more productivity in manufacturing, less employment, and that's due in large part to automation. The same factory that would employ 3,000 people now employs 300 and may soon employ 30. So that, that employment base is changing, and as that changes, your economic development incentives should look at changing as well. Instead of incentivizing based on large operations, tax credits, and infrastructure, we need to look at what is the main decision driver now of, of industries, and that's available talent and workforce pool. Let's look at some of the numbers or data, especially looking at lost educational attainment. Uh, those statistics are rather significant as far as out-net migration in the state of Mississippi. They are. And, and again, let me, let me just say again that your educational attainment level is merely a metric that you can measure what a likely economic outcome is. It is by no means the end-all, be-all there are lots of cases of very wealthy Silicon Valley billionaires that dropped out of college their freshman year, but over an entire population, it's one of the best metrics that we have. So if we look at Mississippi over um, a period of the latest numbers I have are 2010 to 2014, we had a net out-migration of over 3,900 people with graduate degrees and an additional net out-migration of over 4,800 individuals with bachelor's degrees. So that's four-year-plus. You're looking at 8,000, nearly 9,000 out-migration over that four-year period. Over that same period, we actually gained 3,300 people who did not complete a high school degree. So when you take those into consideration, it would appear that we're losing our higher degree earners. They're moving out of state. And, and if I can, let me, let me address something that has come up in the, in the debate about this. And this is, a, this is a valid point, that perhaps our brain drain numbers are overblown due to the high percentage of non-native Mississippians that we have in our college and university system. And that is, that is true. I think the last figures I saw for the University of Mississippi had out-of-state enrollees at around 40% of overall student population. So you would assume that the vast majority of those individuals are going to leave the state and go back maybe to their home states or others. They, they, don't, they don't quite have the, uh, the grounding here that our, native, that our native Mississippians do. That being said, that's a big opportunity. If we have these individuals here in state, we've we've a friend of mine basically put it as we've got uh, we've got four years to audition them, we've got four years to court them to stay, and of course you're not going to get the vast majority of people staying here. But what if you increase that by one percent per year? What if you could have one percent year over year of non-native Mississippians that we don't have 
any of our own tax dollars invested in, what if we could convince those individuals, those higher degree earners to stay and work here in this state? You know, we're a small state. We're only about three million people. So it's not going to take a whole lot of economic vitality injected into the state to really start moving the needle. And then it becomes incumbent upon communities, economic development world to create opportunities for these people to help retain them, uh, which is always, you know, chicken or the egg, I guess. It is. It is. Absolutely. And that's that's another criticism of, well, why would people stay here when the opportunities aren't here, which may be true to some degree. But I think that that's a misconception as well. There are about 2000 developer jobs and I'm talking computer engineering, computer science developer, well-paying developer jobs that could be filled in the state of Mississippi tomorrow. We've been we've been very aggressive uh, actually, I, I give props to, to our government, to the, to the State Board of Education for investing in computer science education in, in our public schools. We've launched uh, a series of coding academies and continue to do that across the state. That's, that is excellent 21st century workforce development. But the jobs are there in the engineering fields, especially in our, some of our advanced manufacturing entities, as well as our energy production entities. You have an aging workforce of highly compensated engineers that are going to have to be replaced. They're going to need to be replaced. And healthcare in Mississippi is an economy all of itself. It is a huge economic driver. And you think about areas of the state that don't even have primary care physicians. So the opportunities are there if nothing else, in, in the fields of engineering, healthcare, and computer science. The opportunities are there. And the more talent you retain, the more our companies are going to be able to expand, the more startup activity there will be, and it will be, a, it will be a snowball effect. And the intersection of, for example, the examples you just used, the intersection of those careers now uh, is like we've never seen before. You know, the coders in the healthcare industry, you need engineers in the healthcare industry. And there really are opportunities across the whole spectrum of that where many of these careers are intersecting like they never have before. There will be very few career or let's say very few industries that do not have some degree of computer science and development associated with them moving forward. And that's that's just a that's just a fact. And those are highly compensated positions. And it also, to a large degree, doesn't matter where you are. So tell me. One of the factors that's contributing to our brain drain, is it influenced by the disparity of wage rates in Mississippi versus what our neighboring states are paying the other average wages right now? Because ours tend to be, on average, very low. That's right. Ours tend to be, on average, very low. We make up some of that ground from a lower cost of living, but it doesn't close the gap for sure. That is a fact that I do not believe policy is going to be able to address. There are places that policy can help and there are places that policy has no business being. And I believe when we talk about the wage gap, that's incumbent on our own businesses, on our own industries here to start to start closing that. And I, and I think you're going to begin to see that because, again, we have in, in this new economy that we have, it doesn't matter as much where you work from. Because lots of jobs can be done can be done remotely, which is good for Mississippi because that means that a lot of these knowledge-based businesses don't have to be located around major population centers anymore. 
So we've set the stage that, yeah, we have the challenge of losing talent in the state of Mississippi. There obviously is not a silver bullet, but where do we start in attempting to retain our graduates? What's what's sort of step A? I think we need, again, addressing the issue of perception. I think we need to do a better job of setting the expectations that, yes, you can make it here. The, the someone said to me um, several years ago that was kind of, it kind of jump started me getting involved in this in this in this movement that you really can go farther faster in Mississippi than lots of other than lots of other states and lots of other areas and I don't think that we as citizens do a very good job of building those expectations into our young people and and and. Honestly, if you have to wait until you're a freshman or sophomore in college to start talking about the opportunities here in Mississippi, you're way, way behind the curve at that point. I think we need to start prepping our young people more in middle school, definitely in high school, of all the career paths that exist for them here in the state. And and under no illusions that you're going to you're going to keep all of this massive population of people in the state but if you keep some that's a win and if you think about it do you want a career in space exploration okay well we've got the stennis nasa stennis space center on the mississippi gulf coast do you want a career in software development we've got firms here like CoreLogic fnc like bombgar corporation like camgia microsystems Whatever you want a career in, whether it be entertainment-based, whether it be engineering-based, there are opportunities for you to enjoy those careers here in this state. Who can bridge that gap? So we've got uh, people who want these careers. They're, they're working towards these careers. Who can connect them, or where should that connection be made? That's a great question that I don't think anybody really has the answer to, and I think it's more cultural it's encouraging our influencers, and I don't mean influencers in the Instagram influencer <laughs> aspect, but our influencers of young people, our educators, our teachers, our elected officials to some degree, that there are these career paths that exist, but we've got to set that expectation from an earlier age. And this is incumbent on parents as well. There are, in, in this in this kind of journey for talent attraction in Mississippi, I've had numerous people to tell me, well, I'm not going to encourage my kids to stay because there's nothing for them to do here. Well, there is something for them to do here. Have you looked into that yourself? You know, what does what does your son or daughter want to do for a living? What are they, in, not even what they want to do for a career, because kids don't know what they want to do for a career. What are they interested in? Well, where do those interests lie? Here in the state, are they interested in, in, in entertainment and television and film? We've got a vibrant uh, film commission here in Mississippi and a great history of being involved in, 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 that very, uh, in that very industry. So these opportunities do exist. So it's, I guess the question is, who can bridge the gap? It's everyone can bridge the gap, and everyone has to help bridge that gap to kind of turn the, sh- to turn the ship around. So it takes the entire village. It does. And I said ship there, S-H-I-P, S-H-I-P. I I was curious where you were going with that. So not only do we need to retain talent, but we also need to attract talent. 
And you talked about a large makeup of our student population at our Mississippi colleges and universities are made up of -of out-of-state students. But are there other keys to bring in perhaps uh, graduates from other states and get them to come into Mississippi? I think I think so, Jeff. I mentioned, uh, and this this is a lot of anecdotal things, but about two thousand developer jobs that can be filled right now, and our uh, some of our larger tech oriented corporations, uh, quite honestly, have difficulty in recruitment in getting people here. So I think that this is an area that policy actually can help by giving our corporations a tool that will help them be more competitive in recruiting graduates from other areas, wherever, wherever they may be from, that if we can have a policy that helps our, aids our corporations in recruitment, then we're able to overcome a lot of the other barriers that we're fighting against, which are, to some degree, lack of amenities. Uh, that's a major decision driver for millennials when they're considering uh, employment. Other surrounding states that don't have state income tax, for instance, that's that's a, that's a big selling point for states like Florida and Tennessee, and and um, that, so states like Florida, like Tennessee, like Texas, that have been generating higher wage earning jobs, they don't have a state income tax, and we do. So, so it's that's, a raise on a raise, essentially. It's a raise on a raise. That's another that's another selling point. If I was a recruiter for a Nashville based company. Sure, I would say you could go work in Mississippi, but you're going to end up paying income tax. You're not going to pay that here. So you've actually worked on public policy to address talent retention and attraction. How can Mississippi's elected lawmakers uh, formulate a plan to address these issues? Sure. Can I give you a a little history lesson on that? So let me say, first off, I've kind of evolved my position in this um, over the the few years working on this. I I believe that the attraction component is probably more important than the retention component. I, I, I think that if we put our focus there, that we're going to ultimately see more and quicker economic, positive economic returns on our efforts. So on on the policy side, back in 2014, I helped consult on a piece of legislation uh, that was, I, I think it was literally called the brain drain bill. It gave a year over year tax credit, basically an inco- a state income tax hiatus to any graduate from a Mississippi university or or higher learning program that took a job in state uh, and established residency here year year over year that bill um in retrospect it wasn't very strong um i don't think that it had enough of an incentive enough of a carrot to be attractive it ultimately did not make it out of committee uh if you fast forward another Two years, I believe, there was um, a a bill introduced that actually passed the House of Representatives unanimously that was very similar to that one. It was a year-over-year tax credit, tax state income tax hiatus. It lifted the requirement of being a graduate of a Mississippi institution of higher learning and expanded that to any accredited program anywhere anywhere in the world. That, uh, That 
as I said, passed the House unanimously. It it uh, it died in the Senate this year. In this current legislative session, House Bill eight sixteen passed the House of Representatives. I believe it was one eleven to two. Uh, so we didn't quite get there unanimously this time, but I'll I'll take it. This bill, I think, is much stronger and better structured. It is not a year over year tax credit. It re- it retains the the requirement. It it is open up again to any graduate of any accredited program anywhere in anywhere in the world. And within two, I think it's two years of graduation. If you establish yourself as a Mississippi taxpayer, take a job in state, live here. Then at the end of five years, you're eligible for a rebate of 50% of your state income tax that you paid over that previous five-year period. But there's also a clause in the legislation that says if you are, if you own or purchase commercial or residential real estate in the state of Mississippi, you are an owner of a corporation organized in the state of Mississippi and have at least one employee or are a an educator or a teacher in the state of Mississippi, then the rebate that you get back is 100% instead of 50%. So whatever tax, state income tax you paid over that previous five-year period, if you meet those qualifications, you get that back in a lump sum. I like to call it a performance bonus because that's exactly what it is. You get a bonus for staying in state. And what that allows our corporations to do is going back to the idea of what tools can we give our corporations to help recruit against other states. Now, Corporation XYZ is able to say to a recent graduate, if you come work here, I can essentially be able to guarantee you a performance bonus within five years if you remain working in this state. You mentioned amenities were important as well. So we've we've talked a lot about tax credits uh, or potential tax credits as a way to attract or retain talent. But what are the amenities that people are looking for when they're choosing a community to live in and will help us attract that talent? Yeah, we talked about the boring tax tax uh, incentive <laughs> stuff. Now we can talk about the fun stuff. And and this is this is primarily talking about millennial age because that's that's the largest group in the workforce now. Um, this isn't limited to millennials uh, by any means. But typically workers now are looking for things like flex hours. They're valuing urban related amenities, walkable workplaces, um, downtown, vibrant downtown areas, mixed use spaces. They want to live closer to work now than the previous generation did. They want uh, looking for thriving nightlife for um, what's the popular term? Their their tribes. They're looking for for their tribes that, that they fit in. It's 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 a, it's a more socially oriented, I think, um, generation. And those those decision drivers are um, th- so they're not purely economic as they were with in large part with with previous generations and I'll come back to this this is one of those points that policy at least on a state level is not going to address this can be addressed at the community level at the municipal level in large part this is going to be have to be addressed by the private sector but policy can do what policy can do which is why we're focused on the 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 tax rebate uh, legislation and this other stuff is going to have to be kicked in 
by the private sector. So going back to your statement that it takes everybody available to help us address this issue, uh, I don't know that we'll ever, quote unquote, solve it. I don't know that it will ever be solved, but it can be improved. It can be improved. What are the top things that a community or a business can do right now to help us with the issue? Things that businesses can do, which are probably the easiest lift in, in, in this aspect, are look at, your, look at your rules and regulations. Do your rules and regulations align to decision drivers for a new generation of workforce? Do you offer flex hours? Can you offer flex hours? Do you offer the opportunity for remote work? Do you sponsor any kind of after hours or extracurricular activities for your employees? Do you allow time off for volunteerism? Also important with this with this new generation of, of, of workers. Things like that that really could go a long way to increasing not just productivity of businesses, but also employee morale. Trying to stop the draining of the brain in Mississippi. Tim Mask, thanks for joining us on Mississippi Prospects. Thanks, Jeff. Mississippi Prospects is brought to you by the Mississippi Economic Development Council, the Mississippi Development Authority, Cooperative Energy, Greater Jackson Alliance, Entergy, Mississippi Power, Tennessee Valley Authority, Watkins and Eager, Butler Snow, Jones Walker, and produced by Pottery Studios. If you have questions or comments, join us on Twitter at MEDC Info.